Welcome to Fresh Out of Empathy. It's your girl, Chris. And I'm Mike. And I'm Freddie. And we are Fresh, Fresh Out, Out of Empathy. empathy. Freddie is kind of hurt today, right? Like Damn, she, she, she said she had the 15 mimosas. It was it was for $18 and I it, needed to get all 18 And she double fisting two waters right now. She wasn't going to do the podcast today until I texted yeah, her. Yeah, homegirl over there sweating like a slave. I'm, I'm serious. It's hot up in here. Like, yeah. this liquor is coming out. Like, it's literally coming out. You yeah. want to go run, girl? Because I'm ready. I'm ready to take this makeup off and go run. But she didn't honey. invite us to the. Uh, I did. did. It was on my Instagram. Don't do that. It was Girl, on my Instagram. Bad. She texted about everything else. You you and see what about, color? And not about for, the eighteen dollar <laughs> bottomless mimosas. Wait a minute. Hold, hold up. <laughs> now, Mike. Now, yeah. Mike, you out your feelings now? <laughs> no, I don't want no problem. <laughs> you don't want no Mister Chimney. Don't want no problem. I want all. Today. I'm feeling froggy. Oh, okay. I'm about to leap. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're gonna start you out, son. Yeah, uh-huh. Mister Ohio. We're gonna start you out. Yeah, okay. but um, we basically wanted to touch on the whole domestic violence that is in our community. The whole Lashawn McCor and um, Charlemagne and Charlemagne. That is, but just like in general, like in the past what six eight months it's just been so much shit that's been coming around uh i mean across us from a lot of public figures um i don't want to say people that we idolize because i don't but from fabulous to nas to uh charlamagne to mccoy to hella football players to hella nba players like it's a lot that's going on in our community where um men are either you know, I don't know if they're falsely or not, but being accused of this and being in this predicament. But so. I think what's crazy is that, like, I just saw Fabulous had, like, a new song. I was listening. I, it came right. across my No, Apple. I was in the car with somebody who was playing. I said, you got to turn that shit off. I was like, how did he slip, like, back like that, like, where he didn't get Nobody is not- canceled, like. Because she's not pressing charges. R. Kelly is, well, that too, but R. Kelly is still pulling putting on music. Like, no, niggas are not going to stop who's fucking with. in the closet and, st- no, and stepping he, in the he in the, no, he's stepping in the DMs of these young boys. <laughs> boy, Did you see that? Boys. Yeah, he was. No. A, he DM'd a little boy. Like no. you, look, you got a nice, a nice get the, shape. Get the fuck out of here, Mike. No, that's Bishop that. Eddie Long. No, I believe. I believe. I believe R. Kelly like dick. Mike Brandon. Mike Bobby Brandon <laughs> looking it up. <laughs> he's like, like R. Kelly. <laughs> yeah, he was in some dudes. Like, but I don't understand like how Fab got a pass like and he's able to like the like, same way r kelly again. got a pass it's the same way people would still been listening to his music after he pissed on that little girl who was 16 no that's that true was and nas, no, she wasn't 16. like that you know it's crazy like with nas is like he didn't do no press to like refute this like the allegations or anything but you know he what just because the album. amazon just bought part of his company and he has made Which, so what much company? he has ring any, yes Yes, Ring, the, a pharmaceutical. Yeah. yeah, a pharmaceutical. Um, but if you comment on it, then it looks like you know. If, yeah. if you comment on it, it looks like you did or whatever. If you don't comment, you allow like people it, to lose. You know, leave up to their own conclusion. That's why he didn't comment on. It. He's not going to feed into it, even whether it's true or not. I don't yeah, know. but black women went hard on Nate Parker, but they not going hard on, on the rest. Face. And and the yeah. thing about it is Nate Parker didn't even rape her. It was Jean Celestine, his homeboy. So you went hard on the wrong person, had that man almost lose everything. But yet these men are actually doing it. We see the evidence. I want to know why we don't see more white men in the public eye with this shit. Like, I don't get it. 
they do. It's like the dude from the Trump campaign. His wife came. A lot of these went like but the white dumb. women. Oh yeah, yeah. They they don't come out. But then he and went and got anything. another job a day later. Yes, because white supremacy is real, and they well, do yeah. that. They beat. They they to them it's just like a everyday. Yeah, and if you yeah like they're they're more likely to be alienated yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. So like you have to consider consider that as well. Yeah. But, it's a part of their history to be over there touching people. Yeah, oh, well, <laughs> slapping no, that's people. True. That, no, it is. It's in their it's it's DNA. I feel. Yeah, <laughs> you know they we was didn't born do shit with like it. that. Yeah. No. Lord. Anyways, yeah, we want to talk about um, Charlemagne and like the story that came out recently from him. Although he's talked about it halfway in his book, um, Homegirl came out, and then. Um, what's the dude that put her on the show? Black? No, no that was Star. 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 I'm so sick of his mother. But no, ass. but it's like black. It's a, that's that goes back to the whole war. It's like we don't have war with black men. It's like black men have their own war with, with each, each other. other. And it's just well, like, I why would say, you do? You I know? will say Star be putting everybody. Whatever is going to get him more listeners, he does. But put out. he's like, you have to be transparent. And a lot of people around here are not transparent in our community. Yeah. Period. Point blank. Yeah. Because no, he true. was he fronted out uh, fabulous, like crazy as hell too. But um, but yeah, like okay, so we know Charlemagne has already talked about this in his book, and um, then it came to light when you know he she had this interview yeah. and was speaking on like the things that happened and whatever, whatever. So now there's a petition to fire him from Breakfast Club. So how yeah. do you guys feel about that? Do you think that he should be fired or? Well, Do you think that it was 15, he was 15 years old, so it was probably like 20 years ago, like... Yeah, well, I think the clip that we're going to play is is more just about um, a domestic a situation that he was involved in. So this is separate from mm-hmm. the, the rape allegation that he had. And they, and they were basically saying that, like, if he was willing to, you know, to speak this candidly about committing a domestic, you know, abuse against a, a woman, then... That sh- that shows that he would have the likelihood of potentially participating in a sexual, you know, abuse. Assault. Are you surprised that Rihanna got back with Chris after after the violent incident? Nah, I'm not surprised, man. The reason I'm not surprised is because we all didn't put our hands on our chick at some point. Hey, y'all can sit there and act like y'all haven't. You you, you choked your chick at the least, pinched her. You know what I'm saying? So like. That happens. Things so, happen. So, so you, you put your hands on a girl before? Yeah, I've definitely put my hands on a girl before. Yeah. I don't, I, that's something that I, it's, it's something you learn from. You learn from your mistakes. Uh, how serious was it? Oh, man. Well, it was this one time. It was this girl I was dating. I was young. I was like 16. And she was having sex with this dude that was like 24, 25. And I knew she was banging dude. I, I literally sat outside this dude's house and listened to him. Fucking the shit out my little 15 year old pussy. Mind you, I'm 16, she's 15. This nigga's 24, you're fucking pedophile. Of course you're gonna fuck the shit out of her. I mean, screaming crazy. So I'm sitting there, eyes watering. So like a week later, me being the sucker I am, you know, I'm back with her, I'm fucking her, and I come fast. So she pushes me off her, and she goes, that's why I'm fucking such and such now. Oh, my nigga, I just saw white. I just saw white and red. I could, I just, what the fuck? <laughs> we butt naked. She's under me. I'm, so it's like, yo, shit happens. You know what I mean? Like, like, yo, shit happens, yo. Like, what, what do you think? I mean, no one will ever really know. I mean, I guess outside of Chris and Rihanna, but what do you think really happened in that car to, to make Chris just bug out? I, you know what? You think you think the, the, you know, the finger to the head? Yeah, this is the thing, right? 
And I fuck with Rihanna. Caribbean women. Exactly. I have a bit of a reputation for being crazy. Shout out to all my Caribbean women. I love y'all, but. That's exactly what it was. She's Caribbean. It's only but so many times you're going to tell me, go suck your mother. Go suck your mother, Chris. Rihanna probably was beating up on Chris for a long time, man. And Chris probably just. It, it just frustrated him, so it all came out in that car that day. But you know, man, like I said, man, people make mistakes. Yeah. yeah so it's I, I don't know. Like I mean, I I'm an avid Breakfast Club listener. I Me listen too. to Breakfast Club every day. I like I like the way they do their interviews. But it's like if we cancel everybody that's problematic. Like I just heard Bernie Mac do a when he, remember he did that milk and cookies mm-hmm. joke about the the gay yeah the his gay, nephew yeah that would have he would have got canceled today for doing that because it that's would be because that homophobic. community is so sensitive. It's like you you got to pick a struggle. You can't be gay <laughs> and sensitive. You just can't do that. Oh, if man. that was the case, then but but what I was trying to say is that like every. Like if we if we cancel every person, then I ain't gonna have nothing to entertain me. I ain't gonna have no friends because well, everybody if, does like some shit that like I don't agree but with. Domestic well, violence is different and sexual yeah. assault. That like that but James is, Brown was beating this shit. And we and you, should. Are have, you still gonna say it loud? You black and you absolutely proud? not. Not from him because he it wasn't so really you gonna do from it to him. The remix? No, it's it's not from <laughs> him. It's from Stokely Carmichael and all of them. So you can't even really put James Brown on that because that whole black power and said loud I'm back and I'm proud was even before him so again you know we can't now that you know that he did that you know better you have to do better and you can't listen to him okay so today we have with us Rachel she is um currently working in Ohio she was a former grant writer for domestic violence out of Chicago and we're going to speak to her about some um our current topic and things that she came across so um thank you again Rachel for um being a part of the podcast today feel free to go ahead and introduce yourself and anything more that you would like the listeners to know Yeah, sure. Thank you guys for having me. Um, As Crystal said, I was a grant writer for a domestic violence organization in Chicago. And so, you know, came across a lot of information and stories and definitely continue to be a lifelong advocate for victims of domestic violence, ensuring their safety and empowerment. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Does anybody have any questions they want to start with before I go in? No. Well, how did you get into like domestic violence work? Was it something that was it just a job that kind of like popped up and be like due to your grant writing, you took it or was it something that you kind of were always passionate about? Yeah, definitely. I have not um, experienced domestic violence in my personal life or with any family members really close to me. Um, When I moved to Chicago, I was seeking a job and had grant writing experience and found myself at this organization. Um, And I've worked with children for a long time. And so in working with children and families, you know, you always come across um, issues of, you know, family violence, how to best advocate for children and their safety. Um, And so, you know, that is something that's very dear to me. And also being a graduate of Spelman College, which is an all women's institution. Come on, HBCU. um, (laughs) I definitely am an advocate for women and their empowerment and continued safety. So, you know, it's definitely an issue that that comes up and is, is close to my heart in that way. Awesome. Awesome. So I was reading some statistics and it was stating that, um, 
one in three women and then one in four men have been victim of some sort of physical violence by an intimate partner within their lifetime. And I guess I was a little bit shocked um, when it said one in four men because I seemed so um, close to one in three women. And I know that um, Mike always has this conversation and our group text where he's stating like, you know, men are often abused as well, but then it maybe a lot of time goes un. Underreported, uh, yeah, underreported. But maybe it doesn't if we're st- if we're if it's saying that one in four, you know what I mean? That's quite that's quite a lot. Like, do, how how many men did you come across um, being like victimized? Yeah, I would say that within the organization I worked with, about ten percent of hmm. the the population that we worked with were men, um, and providing counseling services to them. Oftentimes, um, you know, we see men or we hear of men as abusers or perpetrators of violence, and the men who you know we served who were part of our partner abuse um, intervention program often said that they were they were abused as well. You know, that they had experienced violence um, both within the context of dating, but also so, you know, as children, and so that's how they, you know, mm. they experience that, and so it was normalized in their homes, and so, you know, when that becomes the case, then you're, you're more likely to perpetrate violence, too, and so I think, you know, those reports come from, um, from, there are men who are abused, of course, but then those also come from men who are perpetrators, who are in situations, and will report that they, you know, that they've been physically attacked, too. But, you know, I think when we think of domestic violence, you know, it's definitely the physical violence, but there are also so many psychological um, components to it, too, like economic abuse or just using tactics of, like, isolation or threats and intimidation. And so, you know, while physical violence is is what we often think of, it goes so much deeper than that. Right. And I also was reading that, like, women between the ages of 18 and 24 are more commonly abused by their intimate partner. Is that something that you, like, came in contact with a lot? Like, like maybe, uh, like, younger girls were... I think definitely, you know, there are a lot of younger women who report, um, you know, being abused and also, you know, they come into contact with services more frequently, too, because, you know, maybe they don't have as many economic resources or familial resources um, to ensure their safety. And so, you know, those are often the the women who are seeking services like counseling or emergency shelter. Um, But, you know, I think there are lots of older women as well and older people who are experiencing um, violence. It also goes with like emotional maturity. And so, you know, you're younger and you're in a situation where you're stressed out all the time or you're looking for a job or, you know, maybe you're you're abusing substances or something. And so when you're angry, you're not necessarily sure how to deal with those feelings and with those emotions. And so you're acting out in a way that harms others um, where we find that, you know, as we as we mature, as we get older, we find other ways to deal with those situations. Um, and so we might not find ourselves in a, in a um, domestic violence, situ- you know, experience. Yeah, right. Can you talk a little bit about just the psychology of domestic violence? Like, like how how does that relationship start? Like, how does the man like become emboldened enough to physically put his hands on a woman? And does it start just with, you know, verbal abuse and it escalates from there? How does that typically work from what you've seen? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, there, like I said, there are lots of different forms of abuse. So, you know, there's the physical abuse, there's emotional abuse, um, sexual abuse. So it doesn't, I don't know that you could say that it typically starts any one way. 
Um, you know, oftentimes professionals talk about the cycle of violence. And so, you know, it's a cycle that repeats itself, but usually like in the first phase, so the three phases in the first phase, there's like tension building. And so, you know, people are arguing, there might be threats and intimidation, you know, there's anger that's involved in the situation. And then, you know, in the second phase, there's a violent incident or there's an explosion of it. So, you know, if you think about a, a situation that was really tense and then it got to a breaking point. Mm -hmm. And it becomes an outburst. Well, in a domestic violence situation, that outburst might involve hitting or choking or throwing furniture or objects. And then um, it goes into like a honeymoon stage, which is the the third phase where, you know, there's all the apologies like, oh, you know, that'll never happen again. Like, Mm -hmm. I I, I don't know what came over me. I don't know what happened. Um, But, you know, the the research says that it, it likely will always happen again. Um, And so, you know, I think it's, you know, when there are no opportunities for people to build skills or to build tools or to really address um, the the situations that cause the tension, that the likelihood is that, you know, that that incident will continue to repeat itself and that cycle will repeat itself. And so, you know, I think, you know, when you find yourself in a situation or when victims find themselves in situations where there are often um, angry outbursts, where there's yelling and screaming or, you know, a partner is throwing things, that those are signs those are signs Mm -hmm. that you know it could become physically violent at some point and so it's important to be aware of those and to try and and seek help or to to plan for safety yikes so throwing things is considered domestic violence because you know that's just still something that i might do here and there wait what (laughs) i mean you know if it's right there and you right there it's like I I told you about these women continues to happen and it is used as a way of threatening or intimidating your partner, then I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I guess like another question I have is like, what kind of signs can we look for in our friendships? Because I know that, you know, a, a lot of, a, a lot of people in our peer groups, may you know be inclined to you know have some form of domestic violence in their in their relationship and a lot of people I, I think that more people would be surprised at that they have peers that are involved with this kind of behavior so what are some of the signs that we can look for in our you know peers or people we may come across in terms of you know being you know like a victim of yeah. domestic well, abuse I would say for some- who is a victim or somebody who might be experiencing domestic violence, if they are withdrawn um, and it seems like they might be isolated, like, you know, if you guys go out for drinks or something, like, oh, I got to get home, you know, by 930. Like, I have to be home by then. Mm. And they're really, you know, they seem kind of scared or they're having like some some strange restrictions on the things that they're allowed to do um, or the things that they're allowed to say or how they're able to communicate with you. That's usually a sign. Um, If they, you know, I don't know if they, if they, like I said, if they seem more withdrawn or they're worried about things or like worried about their future, like, I don't know if I can do this because I don't know what the situation might be. Um, yeah, just, just worried and thinking about that and, and thinking about um, their partner and always worried about being with their partner or making sure that they have to check in with that person. Mm. You know, constantly they're trying to tell them where they are or what they're doing. Um, and it seems like, you know, there's a there's a level of power and control existing in that situation. And those are signs for a perpetrator. If, you know, you're talking with a friend or you're talking with somebody and it seems like they are really, um, they're really set on, 
exerting their power and control over a partner. Um, so they're controlling how much money they spend when they go somewhere. They're worried about how they're communicating with people. I mean, I know for, for our generation, people are like, well, I don't know if you should be commenting on somebody's Instagram post, or I don't know if you should do that. But it's one thing with saying, like, or being concerned with how somebody interacts on social media and threatening them that if they do that, then there might be something that happens afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, just even making threats of like, I'll, I'll beat her up or I'll do this or she better not do that. You know, those are things that, that you could be concerned about. And those might be red flags because they might be saying it as like a threat or in a joking manner. But if it escalates or if you hear that that, that kind of conversation is escalating to a point where they might actually act on that, um, it would be important to talk to talk to a friend about that kind of behavior and, um, you know, talk to them about the repercussions of that behavior as well. So, Rachel, I have a um, a question because I was reading some stats from the Department of Justice um, and basically they were talking about um, the the demographic um, breakdown. So basically 16 percent of whites report domestic violence, 20 percent of blacks reported, 19 percent of Hispanics reported per 1000 people. Um, So when you were doing your grant writing, what did you like? What different um, ethnicity groups groups did you come across um, that you saw that kind of fit these statistics or don't fit these statistics? Yeah, I would say about um, 50% of our population were were African-American, mm. um, of the people who receive services at our organization. Um, about 30% of that population was Hispanic or Latino, and then maybe about 20% or so were white. So, you know, it, it is similar to that demographic. I think it also was very relative to the, the neighborhood and the environment that we were in as well. Mm. Um, you know, they... The statistics will say or the research will say that anyone could be a victim of domestic violence. And so you shouldn't assume that 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 could never happen to you because you're white or because you're a Latino. Um, But, you know, there there are so many cultural or societal norms that that really uh, perpetuate this type of this this psychological thinking or this behavior um, and normalize it. And so, you know, I think. We often think about rates of poverty or, um, you know, education levels or and, and we think about the um, the issues of equity that exist all across our nation where, you know, oftentimes we see that black and Latino um, individuals are, you know, are more poor or they're less educated or they don't have access to as many resources. And like I was saying before, like when you are in a tense situation or when you don't have access to those resources or you don't have, you know, the emotional intelligence, you haven't, you know, been in a situation where you can develop that and you can develop skills to deal with stressful situations. Um, you might find yourself in a position where you don't know what to do. You don't know how to, how to escape a situation of domestic violence. Um, and you, you might get to a point where the only alternative you have is to, you know, to report this, or you might, um, you know, be in a situation that you did not anticipate. Um, and so I think that's where you see those those rates being reported more frequently. I also remember, uh, you know, as a domestic violence professional, you have to complete a 40-hour domestic violence training. And I often remember them talking about white um, women often being uh, more isolated in their relationships. And so, you know, maybe not having an opportunity to report though that violence is as frequently because their partner isolates them so so much with you know other family members or puts them in a situation where they can't get help. Um, and with Latino families, um, we often see that there are threats of deportation. 
Mm. Where a partner might say, you know, I won't sponsor you anymore or I'll take your children away. Um, And so, you know, with Latino families, you know, and and women, their children are incredibly important to them. And so, you know, ensuring that they can take care of their children and won't lose their children or, you know, be deported. Um, And you might be in a situation where, you know, there's a language barrier where you live. And so that also um, is something to consider. So Mm -hmm. being mindful of, um, you know, just those different implications and how they affect people, all of that plays into those statistics of, you know, who reports violence and the services that they receive um yeah so um i do have another question because um what is the youngest victim you basically came across because it's so many levels to domestic violence that we don't talk about and we usually Uh look at you know like older but i mean you have young generations because like me when i was growing up i i don't know how i got in one but i was like 15 years old and i was rebellion being a rebellious teen And Mm -hmm. that was like the first time that I have ever, you know, experienced it. But I saw it with my mother and father with domestic violence. And um, I just wanted to come across, like, ask you what was the youngest. Because I know it's like 11, 12. You know, it's girls younger than that probably that are being, you know what I'm saying, abused. Right, right. I know within the organization that I worked with, we provided counseling to to children. Um, And usually for a a child to be in counseling, their parents were also receiving those services. And so those were usually children who who had witnessed violence or, you know, experienced it secondhand because they were involved in a situation maybe with their parents or with their, you know, a partner of of one of their parents. Um, In terms of, you know... uh, child seeking services because they were a victim of domestic violence. I know I, um, I remember hearing of like a 16 year old, but also we, you know, we had a prevention program where people went out to schools and talked about teen dating violence and the, the kind of tactics that, you know, younger individuals might use to, to exert that power and control over each other. And there were opportunities for, for the young people to come and talk to, you know, the staff people and, and talk to them about experiencing that violence and to receive services. It was wasn't extremely common that someone would come in and receive services, you know, like I said, because they would have to have a parent sign off on it or, you know, there's some, some issues with, um, with making sure that a child receives services. And if they weren't comfortable with telling their parents about it at that time, um, then that made it a little bit harder. But I know that, you know, we try to, to be in contact with school counselors and with individuals within those schools to talk to them about, you know, this person disclosed to us that, you know, they may be experiencing something, you know, are there things that you could put into place? Um, because, you know, in those situations, you are mandated reporters. And so, you know, just being mindful of those relationships and not trying to break confidentiality and trust, but to ensure that a young person is safe and, you know, informed about what violence is and knowing that that's not normal it's not normal for someone to to try and control how you communicate with with them or with other people or for them to you know to to physically hit you or to abuse you or to threaten you to choke you punch you whatever that is it's not normal for that to happen and so how can you protect yourself how can you get the support that you need um so that you know you can plan for your safety so, Freddie, when you were being um, involved in that, was, was that someone your same age or were they older? He was older. So he was probably about 18 and I was like 15. Mm-hmm. So like that was like, again, I saw it with my mother and right, father. Right. Those two shouldn't have been together. 
period. They're like right. oil and water. They just did not mix. But again, it was so much that was going on with me that I started acting out. And I went over there to this guy. And what really made me think about it is like one time he slapped me and he left two of his fingers on my face. So when I went to school the next day, the kids was like looking like, well, what, you know what I'm saying? Like what, what is on your, cause I, I couldn't see it. You know what I'm saying? Like I literally couldn't see it. And, and after that, I was just like, this is not normal. So again, I don't play those games. So when I hear people joke about, I'm going to do that, you know what I'm saying? Like, even if a guy is trying to play wrestling all like that, because I experienced that because things lead to other stuff. So you start off playing and then all of a sudden somebody gets the best of you and it becomes more violent. And I was just like, and then two, I didn't think anything was wrong with it at that time at that mm-hmm. time to a certain degree because I, I saw it and mm-hmm. I'm like okay my mother and father like this is one of the reasons like domestic normal. violence in my household because my father thought him putting his hands on my mother because she was on drugs that was a way to get it out of her system yeah. not understand that you're beating somebody is not going yeah. to make them run away right. from the problem it's going to make them run to the problem right. and that's what she did so even with me it made me run away from him yeah. so i would run away from home a couple because like i just didn't want to be around that so yeah. i would find myself sometimes sleeping at other people's houses and things like that uh-huh. because I didn't, you know, it's it's hard for you to go home to your father and he sees a handprint on your face and he's like, what is going on? And I'm like, but you have done, you know what I'm saying? Right, like, you have this did is not this. normal, sir. You and, did this to my mom. Yeah, but right. he was like, what you see me do, it's don't not, you right. go out there right. and, and have that done to right. you. So if I didn't take anything from him, that's one of the things that I did take from him is don't let nobody do what I'm doing to you. And from then on, I don't even play those. Like me, I'm not going to even yeah. tell a dude I'm going to do this to you because I'm not. And I, I don't think those are the things that we should be seeing in mm-hmm. our community because it becomes normalized. And we think, oh, I'm going to be... I'm going to beat you in. And if somebody is looking at your picture and all that, I'm just like, I'm just not that chick. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not there, but it's it's a lot of females that think that's cute when he's like, Oh, what are you doing? Like, where are you going? Well, I don't think it's, I don't think people necessarily think that it's cute. I just think that if you haven't experienced it, you don't know the importance of it and how serious that can be. You know what I mean? Cause I for sure have said like, I'm gonna beat your ass, but not that, but because I've, you know, I've never experienced that it's coming off on a totally different way than someone has. And so, you know what I mean? So My Crystal, sensitive, I'm you, not sensitive to it. So you, but wait, wait, before you go on, because I know you better say some smart shit with that mustache. I just want to say <laughs> that um <laughs> Oh, he that it was he looking like third good Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> No, what I was surprised on, is man. that it was saying that one in every 15 children have been exposed to domestic violence. And that's a lot. Like, if you think about, like, just if you think, like, a playground full of kids and how many of those kids have experienced this or seen this, like, that's quite a few. And and then they, and like you said, because they they see that and they normalized and then they pass it on into their, their relationships, whether it's friendship or intimacy. It's like, yeah, that's how this stuff And I never grows. talked about mine. It's like... I wouldn't say anything to anybody, anything. People would be like, what, like, what happened? Mm, nothing. You know what I'm saying? I think like, there's so many ways that 
you know, that that experience or those, you know, adverse childhood experiences or what, you know, they say in, in the psychological terms, that those manifest um, in children. And so it might be withdrawn behavior or, you know, some developmental delays as well with younger children. For older children, like you were talking about with, you know, rebelling or acting out or finding yourself in a situation where, you know, you might be accepting violence in that way. Um, it, there's so many ways that it happens um, for young children. And oftentimes we, when, you know, people talk with perpetrators of abuse or with abusers, they ask them if they've witnessed abuse in their childhood or if they, you know, were ever abused in, in their childhood. And oftentimes they say yes, um, because it is normalized, they go on to perpetrate that behavior. And so it's really important that with young people that we talk about these things that we talk about it not being normalized that, you know, that counseling services are provided for, for children and that they're aware of what that normalized behavior or of what normal behavior and, and healthy relationships look like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, so that they, they don't just accept anything and so that and that they do have a, a strong sense of, you know, of worth and that, you know, they do know how to how to make sure that they're safe. Like you were saying, going to a friend's house to spend the night, um, you know, if you knew that there might be, you know, danger at home or there might be a situation that wasn't so so safe at home, finding a place to go where you're with, you know, trusted individuals. Yeah. And I, I guess I guess my last question to wrap things up is. um like how do how do we you know you know try to stop the cycle and if we do you know see um a, a domestic situation you know happening like what should you know what kind of tips do you have you know to kind of yeah for sure um you know i think when you're talking with friends or you know if you're talking with somebody who you believe might you know, be experiencing domestic violence, really encourage them to have a safety plan, um, you know, try to be the kind of person that they trust to talk about what they're experiencing. If someone comes to you and says that they're experiencing violence, don't be like, you need to leave him right now. Get out mm -hmm. of there. Don't do because, you know, the statistics say that a woman will try and leave seven times before she really leaves a violent mm -hmm. situation. That's a lot. Seven times. That's a lot. Like to leave home and be like, I'm out. And then you go back like six more times before yeah. you're really done. And so, you know, we know just in our relationships with friends where, you know, they're just in crappy relationships in general that it's hard for them to leave that person. Right. But violent situation, there is that, that honeymoon phase that makes it feel like it's okay to go back and that person really loves you. And so helping to support friends and knowing that they can trust you and that, you know, you'll provide a safe space for them, um, not taking any one side, but, you know, just trying to encourage and empower them. I think, you know, definitely knowing or helping people find the national domestic violence hotline is really important. Mm -hmm. um, I will say that number right now. It's 1-800-799-SAFE. Um, and, you know, so telling people that they can call that number if they need um, a safe space or they're looking for shelter. Um, and then just, you know, trying to break the cycle of violence is really talking with, you know, children that you encounter about violence, talking with young people um, about what healthy relationships are and modeling that as well is incredibly important. Um, yeah. 
So okay. Well, Rachel, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. I don't know you on the East Coast, and it's pretty late there. We really, 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 really appreciate your time, and just um, speaking on the topic and taking the time to talk about this because it's really, it really is hitting our community in a in a, in a totally different way than we could have ever expected, especially today, with all of the people that um, we idolize and you know people that we see in the mainstream media that are being called out, um, you know, with domestic violence, and I know that you know we can't like it should always be like a fair um like you know two-sided three-sided story on the encounters that happen but i think it's very important that we talk about this and we really know that this is happening more than 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 it's not um not only in our community but with women in general so we thank you so much and we appreciate you and do you have any final words no uh good night i hope you get some get some sleep (laughs) so thank you so much thank you thanks so much for having me thank you so much all right okay bye-bye Um, but you know what's crazy is like I also was thinking about like she was saying like it's one in seven women that before they actually leave the relationship that they uh, come in contact with I mean like they deal with this and it's like I was reading something else and it was saying about um, the women during this time um, who have encountered um, a lot of STDs you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and then loss of children um, you know like uh miscarriages from stress and all those things are like closely related to uh these these type of actions that we deal with so i thought that was very interesting because it's true because if i just believe like she's saying through the honeymoon stage it's like oh he really didn't mean to do this let me like i'm probably gonna go ahead and have sex with him unprotected and he's probably been out with who knows what and then bringing me back all of these things. So that has that, you know what I mean? That's a whole nother thing that we have to deal with um, that I thought was really like eye opening. Yeah. I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize that like they, it took seven times to like even think to leave before you actually do it. That's yeah, like no, I've really heard that statistic before. mind blowing for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that with my mother, it was just like she was on, you know, drugs at that time. So in her mind, it was but they were both bad for each other because she hit him just as much as he hit her. But his licks showed and hers right. did not. Right. You mm-hmm. know, so not only that, it's a whole nother level when you get family members involved because that's when it starts to escalate too and people can either you know what i'm saying die from that but i mean finally at the end my mother was just like i mean finally she just had to get herself together because she's not well in the situation that you know what i'm saying she's in but i mean as far as me i just was like this is not what i want you know what i'm saying yeah yeah so but it's it, it happens in our community and alcohol plays a huge piece, even though we don't think about that. At, when they say dark liquor is no bueno in our community, like we should stay away from malt liquor. It's like <laughs> we shouldn't have no type of dark liquor because it really brings out something in in mm-hmm. us, whether it's male or female, uh, that I make us. I don't think it's just hen- dark. I think it's any. Yeah, I think no. It's, any liquor that in the we South? choose, no, that like if you're drinking that that wild Irish rose and that that's uh, dark, Schlitz. some of that. But that's that's it's like really cheap liquor too. I think that like 
when you drinking cheap liquor, like well, what poor people got? Oh, so no. poor people going up in there to get Grey Goose? They're no, getting they not buying, liquor. But you saying all brown liquor? They not I getting do. henny? Well, I, well, some of them are. No, Henny's supposed to uh, be like an aphrodisiac. It's a ghetto. Stop. It's a ghetto, <laughs> a ghetto aphrodisiac that like, make you beat women afterwards. No, that make you love them down. Like oh, okay. that's what I've been told. I'm a white. I don't drinker. know. That's what tequila does to me. So yeah. I... But on another thing is what I wanted to say is like I can only think about like we don't. Well, I know. Okay, I'll speak personally. Is like in general, I don't even give people two passes, let alone three, let alone seven. So if I'm talking to my homegirl and she's saying like, "Damn, I've been beat by this nigga," I'm like, "Girl, I've been beat by this nigga." Like by the time you get to like three or four, I don't want to hear that shit no more. I'm not telling you to go nowhere. But like she's saying, like seven times, like damn, like you really need to take in consideration that, um. You know, like these, what these people are going through, and that is not but people. So easy use, to women leave use that. women usually stay because that's all they have, and that oh, was yeah. something that that's, that's, that's what I wanted right. to. That's ask. the resource. That's what my my yeah. granny used to Absolutely. say. A one, if he is paying the bills, mm-hmm. she is not going to go mm-hmm. because she does not have anything. Mm-hmm. Her resources. 100%. This is why. There, you have to become some type of independent woman and go out there and have your own resources because he will control everything if he can. And and at the end of the day, women are not moving. Right, but what all I'm saying is that every woman is not going to be like super duper independent and may fall in those situations. I'm just saying, like as females, our friends in general, whether it's male or male, like we have to really take into account of these situations that these people are in and be more supportive. Like, even if it's number five, if it's number six, like, we have to be there and ready and willing when they, like, when they, if Call they, you in the middle yeah. of the night and be like, come get, because that's yeah. how some people are. Yeah, we yeah. have to be ready for that, even if it's like, fuck, like, bitch, this is number seven. But this remember. Number eight. I'm tired. Like, you know what I mean? The stats talk about how many prosecutions actually comes from domestic violence and is very low because a lot of women are not filing charges. Mm -hmm. And then you're reading in the news, like they're being killed two, three, four days later Later. because a, the States have failed them. I just, I just saw something on Twitter and it was basically like this, um, this woman, she was dating a firefighter somewhere in the Midwest. And like, she was on, like she had like I think this was probably like her seventh time. She just got on Facebook and was like, you know, this guy is like a domestic abuser. He's been beating me for all this time and I'm finally like escaping him. And then like three days later they filed a missing persons Damn, report she was dead. on her. Well, they don't but you know, know where what she else is, is now. crazy. It's like just like young suburbia was telling us last episode in with the with the fake uh depression or whatever he was saying. It's like now we have a lot of women just coming out and saying shit that you know didn't happen or didn't happen with that particular person just to be on social media or you know you know what i mean so it's like fuck like we're in a fucked up world right now because people are not taking these situations serious from mental health to domestic violence so all these things is like people rather just be on front news pages and in like say that this you know, maybe happen to them versus like really understanding like what this could be doing to the whole other person when you're when you're claiming that they did these things to you and they didn't. Just like that girl that took that man, took that NFL player to jail. Like, I mean, not uh, jail, but to court like t- time after time. And then finally said like he didn't really do this. Oh, uh, not Alton Smith, but the guy from the 49ers. That's yeah. crazy. Ruben Foster. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. I mean, because yeah, you, it's like a it's it's like it, that's a form of domestic violence too. Hell because yeah. it's, like going back to what Rachel was saying, it's just like you holding this carrot like over mm-hmm. this person's head, and you like, well, if you don't do this, then because I'm they're going in to, the limelight and they have yeah, money, and so they it's know like, that domestic violence is hurt, like a yeah. hot button issue. So like, if as yep. soon as someone hears about those charges, they like ready to kick you out of the NFL, yep. and everything ba- based on the color of your skin. Because we right. all know, come on, we all have come seen on. pictures yeah, that from kicker, that yes. one kicker. He was like. He was like really uh, abusive towards his towards his wife, and like the the um, the the owner gave him the benefit of the doubt, and he didn't really get fired until there was like this whole social media outcry where they were like, "No, you got to go." Yeah, yeah, but so, I mean that's probably why we had this privilege. conversation because of you know everything that's just going on in the media with Lashawn McCord and Charlemagne, like you know. Mm-hmm. But how do you have a conversation with somebody that did this? 10, 15 years ago, now they're a full, you know what I'm saying? It's like in our culture, are we giving passes? Because we know listening to R. Kelly's um, ex-wife, Adrian Kelly, speak on her domestic violence um, situation, 15 years she held that in. And now she's out speaking it and people are trolling her and saying all this stuff. And it's just like, do y'all understand like the amount of, um, pressure that goes into somebody literally speaking their truth about a person hitting them Mm -hmm. and so for us in our community to say oh he really didn't do you know what i'm saying it's like well why you're coming out talking it's like people a victim can it, it can take you 20 30 years to come out and share your story yeah i think I, I I have this conversation a lot, but it's it's basically our faves. Like we give people passes yep. because of a mood that they gave us. So like you be like, man, like I stepped in the name of love at my at my high school graduation. <laughs> so like R. Kelly can memories. never yeah, yeah. So you associate that that memory with that artist, but you don't know that this is just a trash individual you know period and yeah. so like like LaShawn McCoy he run for your your favorite football team so it's impossible for you to associate him with maybe being a domestic abuser it's- yeah because I was reading the story on that and everything and it was just like you don't know if he did it or not because somebody broke in a in the home but they basically was like it wasn't like a, a forced entry or something yeah. like that so he was trying to evict her and trying to take some jewelry back but she didn't want to give it but now her attorney is saying it is is likely they they're now learned lend they're now believing that he may not have had any involvement yeah it's it's it. that that because, is weird but it but i think that she said that to like to like protect herself because if if it, if it's determined that he's not, then he could sue yeah. her and her family for for slander because that's like that's high stakes. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like he can potentially lose his career if it turns out to you know like to be true. And you are and it's such since it's such a hot button issue, people are not even thinking about investigating before releasing these players. They like man, no, you got to go right now. Especially because of they're still coming off the whole Ray, Ray Rice. Rice. And that, but even when you think about, you know, Charlemagne, and he talked about the domestic violence, like he was like 15, you know what I'm saying? And basically he felt some type of way because she told him I'm having sex with somebody else. So he just, you know what I'm saying? Jokingly was black. like, I just started black. He said he yeah. saw white. Yeah. He just started just like hitting her and, and things like that. So it's like, how do you have that conversation? Because 
he was 15 and now he's like in his 40s. But again, like if that's something that he uh, witnessed when he was that age, such as you, it's like that's what's normal to him. It's like this is. But that you... that wasn't normal to me. I knew that was wrong. Oh, okay. Well, that that doesn't mean that was his case, though. He yeah. could have totally thought like, shit, this is probably something that happens across all households. So you know what I mean? If I'm being the man, even at 15 or 16 years old, you think you think you a man, even though you're not. And it's like, okay, this is this is what we doing in my house. So this is probably what I should do. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Grew up with like I like one of my earliest memories is I remember seeing like someone hit my mother and then like her like um like putting a hot iron you know saying like on his arm so like I and and, and I remember the first time like I remember being eight and like I remember hitting a girl she was like I was always like a small person so like she was small? like she was like uh who was the she was like baby d on uh, <laughs> friday on friday and you was ice cube I was smaller than Ice Cube. You know what I'm saying? And she was Still like smaller. punking all the dudes our age and like, you know what I'm saying? Like was beating everybody up. And so I was just like, man, I'm not taking Not today, Satan. And so I laid hands on her. And that was the worst whooping I ever got in my life. Your mom my whipped mom, you? And my mom was like, you don't, you don't hit women. Like that's just not cool. And ever since then, like that was just the ass whooping that like. <laughs> you took like, one for the team. Yeah, that was that. like anytime like. Anytime, like, I'm in a situation where, like, I would be, could feel myself, like, even getting angry with a woman, I would just walk away. Because it's, like, the, and, and then I'm scared to go to jail. So, like, you domestic, domestic abusers, I, they be getting, like, gang that, raped and all kinds. And so you I don't can't want have that no, back now. I don't want none <laughs> Booty of is ready for you. <laughs> no fleece. No fleece. This is a no fleece Johnson zone. <laughs> Booty warrior uh-uh, ready. Nobody ready, is the virginizing my backside. Ready for you. So I just, not, honestly, I just think nobody should be putting their hands on nobody. No, period. I point agree. blank. It doesn't matter. It's like if you get even an ounce of matter, somebody, it's like you, that's an insecurity on your piece yep. that you have to deal with when you go put your hands on somebody. And that's even when it comes to women on women, domestic violence, men, however it is, it's like, stop touching each other. Like you get that upset that you're going to. Yeah. Let well, this happen. I, let me. Can I ask you a question? Like the first time when you were, if you can remember back to being fifteen and in that mm-hmm. situation, like what was the, what was it like the first time you got like hit? Because oh, like, I just I just be trying that. to like think about it from that. Like you you can't possibly be expecting this from someone that you like enough that you're yes. dating. Yes. So mine's was he knew somebody at the school actually liked me. So he came to pick me up from the school and he actually saw oh, you us. had an older dope boy? No. <laughs> yes, he was a dope boy. He was. I ain't gonna even lie. I was mm-hmm. I was like that ride or die. Queen? <laughs> no, I wasn't that. <laughs> but I was like, okay, that ride. You know what I'm saying? But he saw the guy basically us having a conversation and I guess he felt some type of way. So when um we got to his um his place, it was like who you were out there talking to, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, and all like that. And I'm like, well, we in the same class. Like, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I didn't think nothing other. And all of a sudden it was just like a slap on my face. Damn. And I was just like, cause I do have a mouth. Yeah. But, I was like, what is that? Freddie was like, that, did Freddie have the same energy as this one now? So counseling really, really gave me a voice. 
Um, because believe it or not, I really didn't have a voice. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Based on everything that I was going through, I would walk around with my head down. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because you you just got so much on your mind. You just like, the it's me against the world. So as I went through counseling from a young age all the way up there, I'm finally I was like, Negro, who you talking to? Like, you just don't control. Like, you not my daddy. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's all I remember saying. And from there, it was just like he slapped me. And I was just like after that, I was just like and then that's when he was just like, well, I didn't mean it all that. And then mm. two two days later, because I really couldn't see the handprint like everybody else. So when I finally saw it, I was like, oh, absolutely not. Oh, and you immediately left. Like, I was like, no, like... Did he try to come contact you? Oh, absolutely. I was just like, oh, no. He would, like, come up and stuff like... And I'm like, no, no, like, this is... This, no, Mm. we can't... We we don't even play them games. Because my father saw it. And he was just like, what? And then he wanted to go do something. I'm just like, no, it's not. Because then that's going to escalate something. And it's somebody going to end up hurt. Mm-hmm. And it's not even worth it. And that's like when I used to tell him about intervening in his sister's them relationships when it was domestic violence. I was like, one of y'all will come out in a body bag, and she's gonna be back with him the no, next day. That's, and that's mm-hmm. that's I've had a conversation uh, with someone. And they, uh, she was saying that she doesn't. Re- she she said that she was in a domestically violent situation, but she didn't report it to anyone in her family because she knew they about that life. So like as soon and she's like, yeah. I don't want it. I don't want to ruin anyone else's life. So I will internalize this abuse and handle it myself because this is going to involve like potentially like my father or yes. brothers or uncles that's going to go to jail behind killing this mm-hmm. man for yeah. putting his hands on me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's it that's that's like. That's a crazy kind of strength and like uh, wherewithal to have about yourself to be like, man, like I'm going to like, I'm I'm just going to deal with this myself to protect my own Everybody family else. members yeah. from protecting me. Yeah, yeah because my even father with was that crazy like that. Like even with my with my mother and father, she didn't call the police all the time. That's that was a whole nother thing. They would be, and neighbors would hear them. And, mm-hmm. and the thing about it is, my grandparents and my great grandparents was like, "Don't put your hands on on her." And he'd be like, "No, I didn't touch." And they was like, "No, you we you know what I'm saying? We have so, seen her with black eyes and bruises on her body. Do not touch her." But again, my mother would keep going back because again that. Mm-hmm. she didn't know because again she's on drugs she's doing a lot of things you know what i'm saying and she's acting out and it wasn't like he was the provider because my mother is the only child so my grandmother took care of us like gave us anything we want so that that made my my father even be less of a man than he was supposed mm-hmm. to be you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying and i think she would remind him of those things and that's why it got like that but at the end of the day you still shouldn't put your hands on anybody and that and I and I told him that I said what you two put me through for my childhood that was enough to fuck me up for life Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. straight up so anybody that I come in contact with that has any type of his demeanor I don't even want nothing to do with you yeah I wouldn't either like I'm straight up with that yeah Yeah. that's that's crazy (sighs) well that is our, you know, that's what we go through in our communities. Well, do we have fresh out of empathies? 
Um, we should always have fresh out of empathy. <laughs> you know, she ready. She ready. <laughs> we, we, we definitely should. My fresh out of empathy is I have issues for with um, um, black people who say they feel sorry for what white people are going through. Oh, you like Jesse Lee Peterson? It, anybody, anybody. I was talking he to the White History Month. I was talking white to White History Month. <laughs> what is the the guy in the bookstore? And he was like, you know, he was speaking with this African dude who was like, you know, I, I just feel sorry for white people because you know they're they're in slavery too. I'm like, they're slaves. That and again, he. I don't know what part of the continent he's from of like Africa. Oh, they, pick, they put that coon spirit. They, they that's what I was like. He, he a coon. Here. He was like, well, don't you know? But I'm just like, <laughs> even here, you hear, you know, you you hear black people say, you know, I feel some type of way um, about what white people are going through. Even on white people' worst days, it's nothing compared to what we have had to go through and what we continue to go through. So any black person out there from any island. Any other black community, wherever you at, if you are saying you feel sorry for white people, I have some issues with that. And I ain't got no empathy for you because when the war is about to go now, I'm going to make sure I push you right on over there with them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like straight up. So, like, I have no more um passes to give for people who be like oh yeah white people are getting it just too. Like this whole white American let's feel sorry for them. It's like, nah. <laughs> Y'all had four hundred years, uh-huh. not no more, and counting. Yeah, shit. No, it's it's hurting them. No, they, well, they I, saw, I saw the uh, the sign. It said the most the most uh, dangerous immigrants came in fourteen ninety two. Yes, uh, that is <laughs> like, true. That was that was a uh, that was a pretty good. That sign. is true. Yeah, we should we should put that on on some billboards. Let me call yeah. and figure out how much that is. Yeah. I ain't got Sponsored enough. Sponsored by FOE. Listen, yeah. him. <laughs> he ain't ready for that <laughs> life. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my fresh out of empathy is for I don't know what is is she permit uh Betty Pat no no this Bert, this is Betty, a new one a new oh one. the new girl this oh, is yeah, a new yeah. one this is, is the it one. gonna be like hurricanes where you just go A B C D E F we should do that like, yeah. permit caddy yeah so she <laughs> permit caddy this was um uh, I shared it with a group yesterday but they were in San Francisco and it was a um an Asian woman that was like selling hats on she the was Mexican or wait that wasn't I thought she it was, was in Asian. New York no this was in San Francisco oh okay. Um, she may have been Mexican, but I think she was selling hats or something. And then like a black guy was like, oh, he noticed her like calling the police on the, uh, on the woman. And he was like, oh, we got a, a, another permit, permit Betty or something. And mm-hmm. then she was like, all like liking the limelight she, and talking yeah. to him. He's like, well, you know, we going to find out where you work at. And then she beelined across the street. She got the fuck up out of there. Yeah, she, she said. Did. And then she, her dumb ass ended up still getting fired. Did she? Yeah, she got fired from the organization. And it's like, why, like, what is the point, what is the purpose of doing this? Like, Because the they police, are privileged to do that. They know that all they have to do is call the police because they're in their white skin and that they will be okay. But the police are doing their beat every day. So they obviously, like, see these people doing yeah, this stuff. Yeah. And they, they obviously have, like, some kind of understanding. Absolutely. Like, well, they're like, we'll just let them do this because they're they not hurting anyone. Well, they definitely need to go do something about the food out there in Koreatown. They are hurting somebody. Like, literally, people are just, they need to do something about that. I got issues with that. Yeah. Well, I I understand. And I, you know, I said that yesterday. Like, we can't have parts of, you know, 
downtown LA or whatever looking like a third world country. I keep saying that. I, just, I agree. I, I understand it from like like the food regulation But again, standpoint. I still either way, I'm still not calling. If you just stand to stand in line and get that dog meat, I'm not calling the police on you. No, I'm gonna go I, in my house. I'm just and be saying, like, like mm-hmm. let the lady, let the lady sell, sell she her was hats. Selling hats, like let the me. let the uh, the black people wear socks to the swimming pool. Let the dude chill at the swimming pool and not don't call the police when when he has his key fob yeah. and you trying to get him out of the out of the space. Like like taught you like but they don't they no. they look at black people all as one it's not like yeah these one are big good, nigga these yeah these yeah are but bad, the thing about it is they pick and choose who they want to say because like the 15 year old boy I, that basically um the white woman um was hitting him hit, at yeah, the pool on, yeah. like she knew like if that would have been shaniqua or something right like, one. Yeah. like she Trust me, she. If that would have been me, like all I say is, you can call me whatever the hell you want to call well, me, but it, you touch me. So my my little cousin, he rides his scooter home from school every day, mm-hmm. right? And so every day after school, he go from school, he go to the Starbucks, and then he he at the Starbucks. Girl, listen, that's a whole other oh, story. Lord. After he leave Waffle House, see, like, no, 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 no. family. They not about that life. Eleven or twelve, whatever, whatever. So they give him money to do whatever he wants to do after school he takes his money go to starbucks he's 11 he don't give a fuck about your protest and what you cared about right so anyways he goes there but it's like downtown cover city so it's like a lot of little places where he takes his scooter and he tries to do little jumps mind you he's like 160 pounds so his jumps ain't that high but he tried right Mm -hmm. it's cute so anyways he i guess he was over there before he went and had his starbucks and he was just like playing over there on his scooter and i guess he had tried to do some type of jump i don't know it'd be hella kids over there so it's not like he's the only one but some white man came and like pushed him like mid-air while he was doing his scooter thing and like but that is the right kid because he's like you know even though he is big and you know he looks like whatever he's sweetest kid softest like you know what i mean just like not even like that type of kid and so he was just like like why'd you do that to me? Like, that's how he was. And like, there was other people around, like, don't you dare put your hands on him and stuff like that. But it's like, you knew that that was the right kid to do it to because of how you could tell how a kid's demeanor Mm -hmm. is, regardless of their size and stuff like that. But they're definitely empowered all across this country from LA to the South, to the North, to the East, to the West. This is, this is how they're feeling. They're feeling like they can do whatever they want. They could put their hands on whoever they want. Just like that. Just like that. Did you send it? Somebody sent her. Maybe I just saw it where the, um, they were in the park. It was a mom and a dad. I mean, it was a son and a son and a father, a mom and a and a um, daughter. And the daughter and mom were white, and the son and father were fat, uh, black. They were at a park, and oh, I don't know yeah, what I happened between that. the kids. Oh yeah, but she the kicked, mom kicked. Yeah. I would have beat her motherfucking ass. I don't give a fuck who but was filming. But as a black as a black man, you can't take yeah, those no, 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 hell fucking no. no. Take me to jail. No, you not, not with no white woman because they're going fuck. to. She kicked yeah. that boy. He was she did. four she years kicked, old. She two kicked times. him. She kicked him hard. I would have went a, to jail over that. As a, I don't as a give black a fuck. man, the optics no, of you hitting yeah. a white woman. What? But see me, I if if oh. I saw that happen, I would have been like, you and lost your fucking like. See, I would have said. I still want to find her and beat her ass. Like, and that. I don't even know that fucking man. And we talking about domestic violence on this. I she, she, I, that's what I was going to interrupt her earlier. She didn't. She didn't say I throw stuff. I I, I said threats. I did. 
Okay. So, like, that was your fellas. If you are, if, if any one of Crystal's exes want to call in and hit our hit in. our private, um, he gonna tell you how he how he send um, a send an email to Freddie. At, uh, Don't do F- that. Don't do that. <laughs> you can't third good Marshall. <laughs> FSU grad. <laughs> third good Marshall. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. And if Freddie has laid hands so on So you're telling me, Mike, in that situation, you would have just let that woman no, I would have your son? No, I would have, like, I would have obviously separated her and I would have scolded her, but, like... No, I'm not, not putting her... You I'm can't not, put, as no. a black man, I'm not putting my hands on no white person unless it's a life-threatening situation. Cause I'm, yeah, like, I'm, call, I'm call a woman, but like white women go on to victimhood. Like, a, ain't like, no way she could have proved victimhood in that situation. You see, permit uh, Patty went to vic. She was on the, doing the but press that's circuit. What they always, yeah, white they people always, always play press that. I didn't, I didn't know. You know uh, that that don't that nobody cares. She, she didn't know what. Well, now you know. Yeah. Now you know. Do but, you ask everybody if they got a permit? Bitch, no, but she it, got yeah. in trouble because she was fake calling. So she that whole fake yeah, call she said she cost was fake you. Calling in. Yeah, that yeah. costs you everything your whole life. So yeah. this is what social media does to us. All right. Oh, so what's your what's your So my freshness of empathy is um and it's funny because I know you had sent uh something through about that uh I think it was a Haitian boy that was saying that he only dates like Oh, I sent white, that. White oh, white women? No. Or light-skinned women? Light-skinned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I really have an issue with that, and I know that um, that you guys were kind of going in Send him back. on my nephew because he was dating, but again, he's 16, he's going to grow out of that, and he's going to find him a good black woman. Okay. So, let's we don't remember you, that. You finish how you start, though. <laughs> that's incorrect. <laughs> that no, is true. That's incorrect. I started with a black woman. I'm still with the sisters. Okay, that's still different. But then you went on over there to Mexico. Uh, it was a you short stay. You dipped in the plus Shut size up. too. Did you stay there? <laughs> what is going on? Oh, okay. like, we just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I totally have an issue with that. The whole colorism and people thinking that it's not real as fucking is. And any black man that says he has an issue with dating any woman that is uh, any color is fucking ridiculous and very fucking ignorant. And I have no time or empathy for you. Well, that's easier for you to say because you are riding on like skin, but no, go. you said that. Yeah, I'm Freddie, being, I'm being Freddie said that clip from uh, was it Erica Campbell yeah. from Mary Mary? Yeah, and her daughter, I saw that. Her daughter is is dark, is dark skin, skin, like and her like, dad. And and I didn't, I I wasn't feeling what she was saying because she was coming up with all the excuses. Erica, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like she should be telling her daughter like you know like your your problem is like valid like this yes. colorism is a thing. It's Not saying real. like well Kelly Rowland is dating a. You know, well, a light I think that she guy, was just like, trying to give her. Uh, no, he's not dating. She's not dating a light skinned guy. But, but I think she was just saying that she's brown skin and she's beautiful and she's made it. And you should. That's how you should look up to. I think that's what she was saying. But you need to. You need to accept that her her her, her problem is, is real. real. Like, yeah. Well, and I don't. She think, didn't. She yeah. never did that in that conversation. Yeah. No, she did. I, I she mean, did. she she could have before after we didn't see everything. But at the end of the she day, did. you what I mean, like in those type of situations, I feel like you're still trying to like let them know that. You know, like, okay, yeah, that may be true, but also look at these situations. And this is going to be, you're going to be the exception and not the rule. But again, that wouldn't be such an issue if black men weren't always trying to find a light-skinned woman. And let's be clear, light-skinned women are not anything but black women. If you're talking, light-skinned women is not a Mexican. Light-skinned women is not a fucking Asian. Light-skinned women is not anything but a black woman. So don't... But still, it's that that colorism piece that plays, that that 
goes back to our whole existence. It's like that's even with your sorority with the whole paperback testing. Mm-hmm. If you was a certain color, like you could not be a part of that. So you're speaking about womanhood, but you're excluding women over here because of the color of their skin. But again, that goes back to the whole self-made Kylie thing. Black women has had full lips, full bodies and she all. She's not self-made. She has a machine behind how, but her. But however it is, a black man has told her that's what he likes. He made her relevant and she used that. But Absolutely. us, we have been, we. if you have full lips in our or community, yes, black men will call those dick sucking lips, all type of things that yeah. they used to say about black women and their full lips and Agreed. how they look. Agreed. But you'll go and want that on another uh, yeah. a, another woman right. of ethnicity group right. but and that's what i'm saying and yep. me and you go back and forth with yes black men have to take some accountability Absolutely. to the things that they put out there yep. because that is why little no. girls at no, her I, age i agree like when as you were talking like i remember when young berg he, yes. he said i like dark butts he said i don't like dark butts yeah. like that's like a very ignorant thing for you to Hella say as ignorant. a black man because there's no other ethnicity that that has like celebrities that come out in yes. mass and disrespect their own women the way that that black men Absolutely. do like like i i, I can't that's deny that's mental that at illness all. though no, that's that's, that's mental, mental illness, illness for you no. to think that someone of your own kind is not beautiful you hate yourself but that goes back to as Mike would say, that goes back to slavery, how they used to separate it. You know what I'm saying? And Absolutely. How the light was more privileged than the dark. But at the end of the day, the privileges was not even equal to what really went on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. you might have been in a house and I was in a field. But the things that you went through was hard, as harsh as what I went through. It was just not the sun. It was right. somebody being on you. Right. Yeah, and I think like just being a light skinned person, like talking about colorism, like I feel like I have to like check myself and take a back seat like during these conversations because because I don't have the same experience and I remember I remember like when somebody told me I had light skin privilege and I was like upset like at the idea like man like I don't have light skin privilege I'm still like a black person and then I thought I thought about like how my how differently like my brother was treated because uh, he's he's like Freddie's complexion and then I think um, about I have a pecan tan <laughs> yes. yes and then I think about like how like my other darker tone guy friends are treated they're looked at as more violent like I, yes. I do get away with like you know like more I don't have to like deal with as much many issues as like some of my darker complected friends do and so like whenever we had these conversations about colorism like I just find myself trying to sit back and listen as much as I can. Well, I've always known that it was real. I I don't necessarily sit back and listen because I know that it's some real shit because I have, you know, dark skin. I have a dark skin sister. My father was brown skin. My cousins are brown skin. And literally all my friends, for the most part, are. So I know that it's real. Um, So if somebody would have said that to me, I wouldn't have been offended. I would have been like, yeah, like, you're right. But again, there's like... What can I do? Like, there's nothing I can do. No, about. it's not. It's not you starting. Yeah. It's just that this is the energy that our men put out. And then they said that it's a war brewing. But you create these wars that shouldn't be created. It's just like saying you don't want a woman that has her natural hair. You rather for her to, you know what I'm saying, wear a weave. Than like, anything, but this dude was like a very unattractive dude. That's what I said. So and he Haitian. Like, 
Yeah, so like I'm right. sure that he like he looks at himself him in the mirror and be like, "Damn, you an ugly ass nigga." Damn, like he you know what I'm saying? Ugly. So like he, but so, some like, Mexican gonna want him. Well, they gonna want his money, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's, that that's the bottom. That's the bottom right. line. But yeah, I, well, I, once some tariffs go up on that hair, that human hair, we'll see who rocking natural hair is. They gonna be looking. Like, everybody gonna be looking like just hilarious. <laughs> when them, when them, I mean, I don't know if it's it's. I think it's ten percent. So that's a lot. Well, These hoes already sucking and fucking to get their hair. Well, I mean, ten percent on two hundred dollars—that's different. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? $20. But yeah, but then the thing about it is, you have to but put that off but to the on customer, the vendor, right? Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like, do they want to pay additional twenty, forty dollars for? And 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 that's a whole another thing that we can talk about another well, maybe time. Maybe Trump that, is gonna make sisters that, natural again. That. Tariffs that is about to that are about to my, take you place. You just go right over my joke like where that. Is, that was, where is my my thesis? That was a good joke. That was not make a good sisters joke. natural again. Anyways. No, but a lot of them have <laughs> issues with that because they can't afford the weed because it's no. the tariffs. No, they they don't. Black people don't even understand what tariffs are. I don't <laughs> think a lot of people understand what You're tariffs right. are. You know, and how that is a negotiation tactic that can either be good or bad for a yeah. country. Oh, oh that's true. Well, so I guess that's it, right? Dive mm-hmm. into. Yes. Thank you guys so much for listening from episode 13. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, catch us again on, um, we're on SoundCloud, SoundCloud, SoundCloud. <laughs> SoundCloud, iTunes, catch us on Instagram, and one day... Mike, we'll get that Twitter up. Um, again, thank you. Comment, questions, concerns, please email us. Fresh out of empathy at gmail.com. All right. Thanks, Rachel, again. All right. Peace out. Bye-bye. One for us. All my niggas in the whole wide world. All my niggas in the whole